Hey, y'all, welcome back to the 420 Podcast. On this episode of Conversations in His Presence, we sit down with Siraj Thomas, uh, who I'm super excited for y'all to hear. Uh, He's a huge part of our missions at 420, and um, he has taught us so much about letting Jesus love you being the most important thing in your life. So uh, tune in, get ready. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to the 420 Podcast. I am here with Clay, Siraj, Matt, and Matt's son, and Matt's dog. And we are, <laughs> we're, we're here to have a good time. Uh, we're here to ask one question. What in the world does it mean to let Jesus love you? So growing up, I never heard that ever. Like in all my years of church, like... I never heard anybody say, hey, it'd probably be a good idea to let Jesus love you. So um, I'm going to kick it to Siraj and have him explain what in the world that means. Because um, for the longest time, I always thought I gave my life to Jesus. Now it's a life of service. It's a life of doing. So Siraj, like you use this phrase a lot, let Jesus love you. How has that impacted you? Start with what that means. Yeah, I think it's maybe the most important question we can ask as a Christian. Um, what does it mean to let Jesus love us? I think even before we get into that question, um, I think another question is why Why do we let Jesus love us? Like why do we need to receive the love of Jesus? I remember having a conversation with uh, another person, another Christian, um, and something I was saying was the most powerful thing you can do as a Christian is to allow Jesus to love you. And he, he was like, no, 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 I totally disagree. The most powerful thing as a Christian you can do is obey, simply obey. And, um, and I, and I went back and I was like, well, you know, Jesus says the ones who obey are the ones who love, you know, he says, when you love me, you obey my commandments. And, and why do we love, you know, the Bible says, uh, John writes, you know, we love because we were first loved. And so if we want to walk and live as sons and daughters the way the Bible tells us we can and ought to, um, then we need to be continually abiding and receiving uh, the love of Jesus. So then it comes to the question, well, what does that look like? And I think it's, I think we, we already mentioned it a little bit. It's, it looks like abiding. I think receiving the love of Jesus, um, I think half of that. It's just waking up to how loved you already are. And so, you know, John Bevere says this. He says, I experience the presence of God when I realize it. You know, he, he tells the story how, um, you know, he's just in his car and uh, he's just driving along down the road. And then he just starts to set his mind on the goodness of God, on the love of God, on, on the delight of the Father over him. And then all of a sudden it's like whoosh, like this presence, this thick presence drops in the car. And uh, and John was like, wow, it really was because I had just set my mind on you, you know, because I he had like put his heart into this place of worship, you know, and it's the reason we love worship as Christians, you know, and, and why do we love that? It's because, you know, we all have had times as believers where we would walk into a sanctuary and we would just get lost in this place of worship, which is really this place of just seeing the beauty and just this majesty of Jesus. And then what happens when we when we come to that place? Why do we love that so much? Because all the troubles and worries of life seem to float away. Why? I think John Mark McMillan says it really well in his song, How He Loves. He says, you know, when all of a sudden these afflictions are just eclipsed by his glory, man, like just when the afflictions of life are eclipsed by his glory, it's, it's for this reason, Paul can tell us rejoice in every circumstance, rejoice always worry about nothing, <laughs> you know, um, like these are the fruits, like these things sound impossible. Like when, when you are being pinned against the wall by the circumstances of life um how in the world are you just supposed to say don't worry about it <laughs> well i i think that becomes a reality 
when you allow Jesus to love you, because then you start to have this realization while my, my whole world really is being held in his hands. And like Romans eight twenty eight says, he is continually working every detail and circumstance of my life actually for my good because I love him. And that's our promise in scripture. So, you know, something that happens to you when you let Jesus love you is you believe what he says, you trust him. And it's that place of trust and faith uh, where we really start to experience the life of Christ manifested in us. And so that's, that's a big reason why we, we talk about letting Jesus love us a lot. Um, and so like I was saying a little bit earlier, um, I think a lot of that looks like just realizing how much he loves you. I think, I think we, we understand the love of God um, because of two things. I think we see so much of the love of God in the cross. You know, we look at the cross and we say, wow, Jesus came from me to hang up on that cross. I may never need another word, another confirmation of the love of God because it has been entirely wrapped up and woven in that, that one act. Look at the cross. Look at the blood poured out for me. It was done for me. He didn't need to come, but he came for me. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is the most incredible act of love the world has ever seen. And so, and so, you know, it should move us. I believe it should move us to tears just to contemplate what the cross is. But Jesus doesn't just show us his love on the cross and demand a response. He actually continues to woo us every day if we'll allow him. If we'll allow him. You know, I know, um, unfortunate, some like married couples that, you know, we'll all see around sometimes. And it's almost like one will give the other a cold shoulder. And what does that do in the relationship? It, it actually stops one of the partners from loving the other person it stops it mm. stops a husband from loving the wife why because they chose to give their attention to something else because you know i was sitting with my girlfriend and um i was uh, i was checking a stock on my phone and uh she said hey can i can i just have your attention right now and it broke my heart because I was like, oh my goodness, that I let a moment go by where you didn't feel like I was completely captivated by you. You know, and I think that's what Jesus wants from us as our husband. He's like, I want to know and live this union with you in a way that we are totally captivated with each other. And it looks like being un undistracted. I think Robbie Dawkins, he says, I think he says either 90% or even maybe he says 99% of spiritual warfare is simply distraction. Distraction, because what happens when we can live undistracted from the love of Jesus? My goodness. You're hearing <laughs> his words, his song of love in your heart every moment of your day. That's going to do something to you. It's going to really do something to you. You're going to start to hear words of knowledge for people. You're going to start to walk confidently in your identity. You know, any, any thought of temptation will be a joke to you. You'll have a lot of funny jokes throughout the day. You know, um, you know Jesus will just, like, you know, when, when I'm with my girlfriend, um, it's like, it's almost like the world doesn't exist. You know, um, she's all, really all I can pay attention to around me and uh and it's like i'm with her and then everything else is secondary like my attention is how how am i stewarding her heart right now and everything else is secondary and i think um i think we get our first picture of that from the lord um am i letting jesus love us or am i distracted because when i can become undistracted i encounter him i encounter him because what happens when we set our thoughts on who he is, we encounter him because he is in every moment. He is in every moment. And I think the question to us is, can we realize it? Yeah. Can you go into, can you go into some practicals? So like you said, some things of like, um, like taking your thoughts captive or like, turning your affection to Jesus. 
can you give some like some very simple practicals as to like and examples as to how you've done that this past week like what is it for someone listening like okay you say take my thoughts captive but i have no idea how to do that or what that even means Mm, that's so good i think i think for me a lot of what it's looked like and maybe for a lot of other people that i've learned from on this topic is i think it starts with becoming very still and very quiet i think a lot of it starts with simply slowing down maybe sitting down and then just focusing and seeing the smile of God over you. (laughs) And, you know, something I do with the Lord um, and uh, whenever I can, whenever I can remember it, I'm I'm still not super great at it is whenever I I drive somewhere, um, I'll put the car in park when I get there and then lean my seat back all the way down and then just say, okay, Jesus, come and let me feel your presence. Let me feel your love. And then, and then in my heart, wow, I just hear his whisper, I am delighted in you. I am pleased with you. You are a good son. You are a good daughter. You are the love of my life. Ask me anything and I will do it for you. And, and, you know, just sitting in that place for even 60 seconds, man, maybe that was just 12 seconds of words from the Lord sitting in that place for 60 seconds. And then this is the fun part. And then I take the keys out and then I open that car door, swing left and I put two feet on the ground and I'm still there. I'm still in that place. I'm still in that magical little chamber with the lord and nobody knows that i'm fully immersed in that place nobody knows that i'm full of his glory and beaming with joy a delight that i'm in him that i'm abiding in him that he's loving me but i'm like i'm here like a spy yeah full disclaimer though like i've traveled with you plenty of times and you'll just be sometimes sitting in the airport like not moving for like a long time (laughs) And not saying a word. And I know, I know, I now know, like he's, he's letting Jesus love him right now. And then, and then you go up to people and you share the gospel and you, you remain in that place of like, and you do it so well because you're, you're letting the Lord pour into you and then you're pouring out to others. And, and I just want people to know, like you, you do that really well. And, and I know you well enough now to, to know when you're in that, when you're in that state of letting Jesus love you. And I love it. <laughs> yeah i think i I think we see jesus do that with the father even in the most unorthodox times you know we see the story of him sleeping in the boat when it's being crashed around tossed around man i tell you nobody is that tired sleep on a boat where people think they're about to die (laughs) you know that guy was in a deep state of abiding and bliss with the father that he had no understanding of what was even going on around him it's it's the same thing we see in the song of songs it says do not awaken love do not awaken love and and most of the time we use that that verse for like preteen couples saying hey don't don't uh get a little bit too pansy here or no purple no purple at the trip (laughs) right you know we we don't want to rev up the engines before marriage you know that's it's really not what it's saying you know they're talking about and we see this picture with Mary who just sat herself at the feet of Jesus and just came in closed and enraptured in this place of, oh, I'm in him. I can experience him right now. I'm, I'm abiding in this place. I'm, I'm his and he's mine. You know, I, it's this like, it's almost like this place of like sleep, deep contentment, rest in him, you know, and, and these these like early church mystics, you know, they, they would understand this because they would enter into that, just that very quiet, still place with the Lord. And, and so what do we say? Don't, don't wake them up until she is ready to arise. Do not awaken love until she is ready to arise. And so, you know, it, it looks like slowing down, becoming at rest in him, hearing his voice of delight, you know, if, if you can't hear it really straight from the beginning in your heart, that's okay. We've got a ton of his words in the Bible. We've got, man, my goodness, go go to a 
Ephesians. Go to the Song of Songs, man. I, I really recommend everyone to, to read that book in the Passion Translation. It's, um, it's amazing how it really allows us to uncover a lot of the true meaning of it, of, of its context and origin. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, rendition of the song of all song. Um, you know, I was just reading in, in the book of John. I think that language is saturated throughout the book of John. If, if you're wanting to start reading one of the gospels, man, I really recommend that, you know, for those who are listening, read the book of John. It yeah. will take you away. It, it is the book of love, I believe. And, and why, you know, John, John to me is my favorite disciple. He's my favorite apostle. Why? You know, because they're, the apostles were, were all known for all the different things that they've done. But John, what do we know John to be? You know, we, we know it, especially because he, he's the one who writes it. But he says, the one that Jesus loved. Now, you would think that someone who would be esteemed in the kingdom would be, oh, this is the one who loves Jesus. You know, we look at incredible believers and the things that they do in the kingdom. And we say, wow, they really love God. They really love God. They must just adore him. Yeah, they do. But why? Because they are the one that Jesus loves. And so if I'm at the table with 11 other people in Jesus, I will be the one laying my head on his chest and I won't be any other one because that is the place where I belong. I want the closest place at the table to him. Mm. Why? Because I want to be the one that Jesus loves. You know, I tell you the most radical believers on the planet that I know are just really good at receiving the love of Jesus. Why? Because what happens? What happens when we allow Jesus to love us? You know, it really is the answer to every problem in the kingdom. Do you want to be obedient? Let him love you. Do you want to take that risk and have the boldness to do it? Let him love you. You'll believe what he says. You want to kick that addiction and let him love you. You know, I've heard it said the only place to replace an addiction or to, to get rid of an addiction is to replace it with a better one. And, uh, and, and I tell you, this is the most irresistible, incredible addiction you could have. I remember when I first encountered the love of Jesus, it's all I wanted. I, it was 2013 and I first encountered the love of God and it was unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. And so every day when I would come up from school and high school, I'd throw my bag on the ground, run up to my room, lock the door and say, Jesus, just love me again, will you? Just love me. The thing that I experienced at first, just love me. And then his presence would come up. Like it would just seep through the window almost and it would just saturate and fill the room. And I'd be like, ah, oh, this is it. <laughs> this is home. This is where I belong. He wasn't asking anything of me. He wasn't telling me to do anything in that place of prayer. He's like, would you just sit and receive my love? Because that's all I want to do is show you how much I love you because a dangerous radical Christian is a Christian who has been convinced of the love of Jesus. That's why my mentor, um, she's something she's always told me and kind of shared around a lot of our groups. Um, and you guys have heard this from her as well. Um, you know, she's like, pray this prayer. It's a powerful prayer. Maybe the most powerful you could pray. Jesus, would you give me the power to receive all of your love today? Yeah. And realize it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things Paul prays for the church too, that we would have the power to comprehend his love. That's, that's ridiculous that we actually need the Lord to receive the Lord. <laughs> Sorry. I have to mute my mic like every five minutes. Cause there's a siren that goes by my house. Yeah. Um, Understandable you know, for where you dude, live. Siraj, that's, that's amazing stuff, bro. Like that's, that's what changed my life. Um, the love of God in a tangible way too. That truly changed my life. And I want to get Clay Clay and Matt involved on this next question here. But um, basically, what are, the, what are the competitors to letting Jesus love you? You mentioned distraction um, earlier, Siraj. But um, I think one of the main competitors in my life before I encountered the love of God was, was shame. Um, even though the truth is that, like, in my worst state, like Jesus demonstrated his love for me, but for whatever reason, like there, there's an accuser 
the accuser of the brethren, the brethren or the brothers. <laughs> There's an accuser constantly accusing the bride of Christ. And I think a lot of people have whispers in their ear every day um, that try and put shame on them. And I struggled with shame for so, so long that I couldn't receive the love of God because, oh, there's one, uh, because I, I didn't feel worthy of it, you know, like, so Clay, Matt, and then Siraj, what are the, what are the competitors to receiving the love of God in your life? Like what keeps you from receiving or letting Jesus love you? What was that? Sorry, y'all. My, uh, my, my, my son is in between feeding sometimes, throw, throwing a little bit of fit. So I had my microphone muted and I didn't know that my microphone was still muted. Um, you know, I think that, <laughs> I think that, um, I think one of the greatest hindrances to experiencing and receiving something that blocks us from receiving the love of God is, is doing everything but adoring him, um, is, coming into the secret place to be with him and coming in, believing a lie that there's some form of separation right now that I now need to fill. Mm. The only reason you're showing up in the secret place to be with the Lord is because he was drawing you in the first place. Even when you wake up in the morning or at night or driving in the car or whatever it is for you, you don't start talking to Jesus, interacting with him unless it was something that he started stirring in you in the first place. Even if it's just like, no, I've just done it out of habit. Well, I don't care how that habit got started. Either way, it was, it was first the pursuit that you responded to from the bridegroom. And in, and in any good marriage, it's a husband's job to give his wife a pursuit, a, a pursuit to respond to. And so I think one of the things that stops us from receiving the love of God is, is, is first and foremost, doing everything but adoring him. Um, like, it, it, not, not even so much pressing into his heart, but just it's, it's not about how loud you can get. It's not even about the language that you use. It's about um, simply, and Siraj already said, it's about sitting very still, very quiet, locking eyes with him. And Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, you're, you're, you're the one that my heart truly desires, allowing that praise to go up to him. So, but before we get to that, it's recognizing and understanding that like you are in him and he is, and he is in you. There's, there's no separation. And, and the lie of separation, the lie that um, there is, God is over here, I'm over here. And maybe there might be a moment where I get a, plas a passing glance from him. I might be able to brush up against his side and call it an encounter when he's really just like, no, I, I desire to clothe you in my fullness. I, I desire to embrace you in my fullness. And so I think sometimes what keeps us from experiencing and receiving the love of God is ultimately our own intellect, um, yeah. our own, our, our own <laughs> intellect, our, our own mental battles. Um, it's so funny. I heard this amazing testimony from a guy named Joaquin Evans and um Siraj, I think you shared this with me, dude. I, I'm pretty sure you shared this with me. Um, yeah, you shared this with me when we were in Nigeria. I remember this testimony. There's this guy, so please correct me if at any point in time I get off track on this testimony. Joaquin Evans, when he was learning to, to like, he was sharpening his spiritual senses. He would go in and be with the Lord, just lay down on the carpet and just be with the Lord. Oftentimes, and, and again, we talked about this in, in, in our last podcast on what is worship. And it's very important that we make truth work for, teach our feelings to work for us and not against us. But Joaquin Evans would come in to be with the Lord. And literally something as small as like his thumb would start to twitch or he would sense an ounce of peace. He would stop right there and say, yep, there it is. There it is. Jesus, there you are. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. And he would celebrate the smallest measure that he had. He would celebrate what it is that he was getting in that moment. And he would, Jesus, there it is. There you are. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and it didn't matter how big or how small, he immediately turned that into thanksgiving. And he immediately turned that into thankfulness to the Lord. And so it was funny. But when, well, and, and when you listen to podcasts of him, Joaquin Evans now, um, I, I, I had to hesitate. I almost said Joaquin Phoenix, the 
the actor that plays Johnny Cash and, and walk the line, hold the line or whatever. I don't know. I don't remember what that actor's name is, but um, it's, uh, I'm blanking he's on the, his He's the bad guy in Gladiator too, right? He's a... Dude, what's funny, I was watching Gladiator the other day and then I was, I was holding Conrad and we were watching it and I was like, Ooh, I don't know if he should be watching this, but still... One, no, one it's good for him. It's good. He's three months old now. That's a rite of passage. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. That line is every gosh, don't ever think in time. Man. Oh, man. Uh, but, but I think uh, again, Joaquin Evans, um, he was celebrating the smallest measure that he would have. And, um, and I think what I've learned from that testimony is what the biggest blocker of receiving is oftentimes our own intellect and learning to step past that. That's good, man. Yeah. I would say, I think right along the same lines, but probably for me, it would be emotions. Uh, I think in the last couple of years, if I'm being honest and, and real, probably in the last two years or so, I feel like if the Lord is teaching me one thing, it's to actually receive his love. I've grown up, um, following jesus but so much of it was based on the how we love him and uh yeah. you guys have challenged me so much and the lord has challenged me so much of man just allowing him to uh to love us and how our love for him flows out of being loved loved by him oh dude what a cute baby you make good babies man all you guys make good babies Siraj, you're gonna make good babies <laughs> great job everyone but uh but uh yeah so I think that emotions are just so big, kind of like what you said, Jeff, as far as, as far as shame, um, I would really say that like, I would determine how much, well, I would consciously say that my closeness to the Lord was determined by how I feel. And so I was teaching on worship this last weekend and I would, uh, was talking to some youth and talking about how I would go in at these big conferences and I would go into worship God. And then there'd be times when I didn't feel anything. And all of a sudden I would go introspective and I would start focusing on all of, you know, whatever it was like, did I look at porn that week or did I do this? Or was I, you know, I was, I was going through trying to figure out what sin was keeping me from feeling God's love. And so I would get super introspective. And as soon as we get into that place of worship where we're focusing on ourselves instead of the Lord, like we're no longer worshiping anymore more we're just self you know trying to do self-help in in the middle of worship and so uh just this place of relearning over and over again of man my ability to receive the lord's love and the way that he feels about me and my closeness to god is not determined by my feelings whatsoever like not one bit it is 100 it has to be built on faith and so uh, there are times man when i think that we feel his love and shoot, those are great times. There are times, you know, sitting in the car or whatever, and like, oh my gosh, the Lord loves me so much. And then there are also times of like, man, I don't feel anything. And, and in fact, actually, I feel completely disqualified for whatever yeah. I'm doing. I feel disqualified to lead. I feel disqualified to share the gospel. I feel disqualified to even come before the Lord. Um, and then I have to just walk in and say, Jesus, I know that you love me. And it's my pleasure to be able to come before you and completely do it by faith rather than by feeling and then letting feeling flow out of that. I think that I think modern psychology is showing that feelings come out of our beliefs or like our internal, uh, what we actually believe subconsciously. Cause we have these, like, there's kind of three levels of belief. There's your outward belief that what you say you believe, then there's, there's your conscious belief of what you're actually aware of, of what you believe. And then there's the subconscious belief and your feelings and your thoughts, all of that flows out of your subconscious belief. And so for me, man, it's, been rewiring my christian brain to actually believe that the lord loves me and letting emotion flow out of that rather than this i don't know this western christianity mindset of the lord is interested in my service and what i can do for him first and foremost before anything and it's been an incredible like rewiring and honestly it, it makes you so much more immune to life when it's built on that faith when it's built on truth and not just built on on feelings and so i just i mean my vulnerability is man i am a work in process 100 I know we all would say that, but like yeah. it's a raw, good area for me because many times it's coming to the Lord in faith saying, Jesus, I know you love me. And I really have to work hard to slow my heart down and receive his love rather than just, man, I like trying to accomplish or do things to feel good and get things done, which are 
not bad things, but it's a, it's a daily fight for me to, to just slow down and to receive. Well, how many of us are driven by issues, right? Like growing up, the only time I would spend time with the Lord was when I had um, an issue in front of me that I couldn't handle. Like, and then that's the only time I would go to the secret place. And I was actually driven by issues instead of driven by love. And um, I'd like to think I'm getting a little bit better at that. And like, when I go to the secret place now, it's because I want to be with him. I want to receive his love. I, I want to adore him. I want to focus on him. And versus like when, when you have a pressing issue, but with maybe a financial issue in your life that you're dealing with. And all of a sudden it's overwhelming and it's affecting your peace. It's affecting your hope. Um, one of, one of our mentors always says, he always asks the question, how's your hope? How's your hope level? Cause he's the God of all hope. And if you don't have hope for a situation, uh, then you're not getting the perspective of God for your life or you're believing a lie. And so if I'm driven by a financial issue where I can't handle that, it's affecting my peace. It's affecting my hope. Then that drives me to the secret place. That's all I'm going to be focused on in the secret place. And like, I'm going to be, um, attacking that issue from earth to heaven rather than if I'm driven by love, I'm going into the secret place with the Lord and I'm saying, thank you, Lord, for how much you love me. I, I praise you. I worship you. I receive your love, God. And then I, I renew my mind with what he says about me. I'm holy. I'm blameless, not because of anything I do, but because of the blood of Jesus. And then all of a sudden the issues, I'm seeing the issues that I'm overwhelmed by from, from heaven to earth. Now I'm getting God's perspective on those issues. And I think letting Jesus love you is like the, the main thing because you can't love him back without that. You can't love him unless you let him love you. It takes his love to love him. <laughs> and like, I didn't know this growing up. I didn't know any of this. And I'm thankful for, for Siraj um, teaching us all this. I'm thankful for Matt uh, modeling it to me in college. And I'm thankful, Clay, I've only known you for a few years now, um, but I'm thankful for you. Um, but I first met Siraj. Siraj, when did we meet? It was when Bentley was like a, an infant, like six years ago. 2015, I think. 2015. Yeah. We, we first met. And, um, and like I knew from, from meeting you, like you had an evangelistic calling on your life. Um, I started hanging out with you. We did, we just would walk downtown and, and pray for people. And, and I got to learn from you like a, a different way of evangelism of like, like you model, you model the love of the father so well, because you've spent so much time letting Jesus love you that you actually have something to give away rather than a salvation to gain from someone else. And so can you, can you talk about like how you've grown in the fruit of evangelism, because that's, that's almost like a dirty word for Christians now. Ew, evangelism. Like that's scary to me. First off, like most people try and just bring their friends to faith by inviting them to church. Uh, but you have a completely different way of, of preaching the gospel than most people I know. And so can you go into the process of like how you've grown in modeling the love of God and like you evangelize everywhere you go. So like, how, how did you get there? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think you said it. I think it was a lot of me just letting Jesus love me. Um, when I can become convinced of the love of Jesus, then it just becomes very real to me. The love of Jesus becomes very real to me. And then something cool happens. We start to see that love for other people. So when we can start to see how much Jesus loves other people, we happen to be drawn to them like a moth to a flame. You know, we, uh, you know, Paul says, it is agonizing for me to not preach the gospel. He's like, if I, if I were to go and not preach the gospel, I feel like I'd explode is essentially what he's saying. You know, and I, I feel like, how does that happen? How does a person get to that place? Well, he has to become so full of love that if he were to not give it away, he would explode. <laughs> and so, and so I think, I think we're, we're starting to get on the right track here. I think it really does look like receiving the love of Jesus. I remember being at 
uh, my college where we we teach good theology we uh we have awesome speakers come in you know but if you were to look at the average student are they living really like the life of jesus are they are they loving people yes are they kind people yes are they gentle people yes are they most of the things first corinthians 13 says love is yes are they living the life of jesus are they healing the sick are they raising the dead are they casting out demons cleansing the lepers are they are they doing the works that jesus said we would do as believers or are they allowing fear to dictate that part of their life what do we know about fear what's the antidote to fear love you know dave wagner says where fear is love isn't so if i'm afraid to share the gospel with someone that's okay i just need to love them a little bit more or i just need to see a little bit bigger of a picture of how much jesus loves them you know jeff i was with you uh it's a story i tell often you know um, and I'll just run through it real quick. And we, we saw that woman sitting across the street on that bus bench, you know, and, and, uh, and I was like, man, I wish let's go pray for this girl over here. But the internal process in me before I said that out loud was, you know, I felt called to pray for her before, like a minute before, but I just didn't want to say anything. I just, you know, she, I was like, this woman doesn't want anything from us, you know, and Jesus is just like, Hey, I love her. I love her, you know, and then just over and over, like just getting this picture of the love of God for her that almost broke me. And I was like, we have to go over here and talk to this lady. And then Jeff, you had gotten words of knowledge for her. She was encountering the Holy Spirit. Remember, she, she started to encounter the Holy Spirit before we even prayed for her. She said she could feel like the ground was moving underneath her feet. It was just a really awesome encounter where like, <laughs> like the Lord was like shaking her world almost. I don't know if that's what that sign where it was to indicate for her, but uh, um, she was, she, she walked away changed. I mean, wasn't she saying that she was like even contemplating suicide or something like that? Yeah. She was um, thinking about taking her life that week. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, we're drawn to people because Jesus loves people. You know, sometimes I look at myself and I, man, I'll be honest. Like, I'm like, I don't, anything in here that would even give me the ability to love people but i look at jesus and i look at tears in his eyes with how much he loves the person standing in front of me i'm like oh my goodness look how long he's been waiting for them to hear this message of his love and here i am you know i say i, I see these people and then i'm tempted to pray that prayer. wow jesus look how much you love them would you send someone He's like, it's you, silly. You know, I sent you, and uh, and so you know, I, I I'm at this school, and and I'm like, hey guys, look what we can do. Look what our inheritance in Christ is. We can do like the works of Jesus. We don't have to be afraid. Fear casts out love. It's written in the Bible. You know, perfect love casts out all fear. And uh, and uh, yet not a lot of people would come and do these things. They, they would just still hold on to themselves because they had their eyes on themselves because they hadn't caught this image of the beauty of Jesus yet. And so I'm talking with one of my friends, Colton. I'm like, Colton, why is no one running with us? Why is almost no one doing these things? And he said, well, it's because they don't know how much Jesus loves them. They don't know how much Jesus loves them. And I'm like, that's not it. That's not it. It's because they don't care enough or they don't, they don't love God enough or they, they're just too afraid. And he's like, yeah, the, the answer to those things is that they need to let Jesus love, love them. They just don't know how God loves, how much God loves them. And I'm like, this is a Bible college. How do they not know how much Jesus loves them? You know, but most Christians, I know, I know Christians who, were, were 67 before they really realized Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And I, I have a similar story. I grew up in the church, but it wasn't until I was 17 I really realized, oh, he loves me. He really loves me. He likes me, you know. And so um, that was really around the time I started saying, okay, we don't need more teachings on healing. We don't need more teachings on evangelism. We don't need any more practical steps. I mean, sure, these, these things will always be necessary. But first, we need a radical company of believers who are convinced of the love of God for them. And so my teaching shifted from teaching on how to do it, how to do the stuff, to how to be loved and how to receive the love of God, how to abide in Jesus, how to let that transform you. And when it, when it transforms you, it will transform you into something. And what that something looks like is Jesus. 
you know, the Bible says, as he is, so are you in this world. Well, how do we wake up to that reality? Well, just become completely immersed in that sense of love. And when you look in the mirror, you're going to see Jesus looking back at you in a dead person. You know, he is really going to be the only thing living inside of you. And it's going to look like some, what would it look like for Jesus to show up at your workplace? Wow, that might be pretty spectacular. What would it look like for Jesus to show up in your neighborhood? That might be amazing. What would it look like for him to show up in your high school, in your college campus? Well, he lives in you. <laughs> and he also said that you can works and greater. So I think it would look a lot similar to what it would look like the next time you show up there. Can you be convinced of his love? Can you allow him to love you? I think, um, you know, the, the question is like, we, we, we look for practical steps. How did you practice this? Oh, well, you know, number one thing I can tell you is just, just do it. Keep doing it. Fail, fail again. Keep trying it and don't stop. And you won't stop and discouragement won't get to you because you'll be too in love to care because you'll be too loved to care. And so um, I think that, I think that, best advice I can give is just, just start, you know, you know, I started by learning from guys like, you know, Matt and Jeff, I watched videos of guys on YouTube and just copied what they say, did what they did. I watched movies like Christ and you or Holy ghost, things like that. And, uh, and I really just along the way caught this picture of the love of God for people. Um, and so I think if you want to know what the love of God for people looks like, let him love you first, and then you'll start to see it on them. And then it will be, as Paul says, agonizing to not preach the gospel. And I, you guys know I wrote this little book on what love does chemically to your brain. It makes you literally crazy when you experience love for another person. I mean, it shuts off your ventromedial prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that tells you to weigh the, the uh, outcome of a decision. It, love says, I'm going to jump and not care. I'm not going to even think about that. And, you know, the part of your brain... Uh, that processes compassion and empathy that allows you to feel what people are feeling and be plunged into their experience of life. It's called your right super marginal gyron gyrus. It, it just turns on, you know, and like, it's the reason like Matt and I can stand there in the Middle East and cry with a mother who has had such deep loss. And we've never met this woman, but we just cry and cry because that part of your brain is just turned on. Love is turned on and you experience love. It looks like something and Jesus, Jesus knows our sorrows and he experiences that with us. And, and so our question is, well, we want to be Jesus to people. We want to do what he did, say what he said and act it, act how he acted. You know, it says in first John two, six, those who in Christ ought to walk the same exact way Jesus walked. Okay. So that, what do we do? What do we do? Where do we start? Well, let him love you. I think that's our answer. Come on, dude. Mm. Come on. So good. I'm sitting over here ready to explode. Yeah, I'm ready to get saved again. So good. So is yeah, even the I think for for 420, we've uh, kind of narrowed down. I mean, we've been back and forth on on vision or trying to narrow down exactly what we feel like the Lord has called us to stand for. And kind of the two things that we've come to are a raising up a culture uh, of people who minister to the Lord and live out the gospel every day. And just in the, I, I think that we've just started talking about receiving the love of God so constantly because that is the foundation for all of those things, 100%. And I think Matt even said like last week is that it's basically the only topic we're ever going to talk, talk about. Like there are different variations of it, yes. but it all comes back to that on Friday nights, on family nights. And I think it's, it's so good because as far as ministry to the Lord, it has to be from a place of receiving his love first in order to minister to him. We have to come to him by faith anyway, that he loves us and that he hears us and that he exists as we minister to the Lord and as we bless him. And as far as for, for evangelism, I, I feel like receiving his love has completely changed the way I see evangelism. I, I in the same way, I went to a Bible college, a Christian college, and absolutely evangelism is a dirty word, 100%. And I have so many friends uh, post-college that definitely don't believe in sharing your faith with others, have had conversations where uh, just that it's not our job to do that. And man, there's there's a whole lot of theological implications there um, and what the motivation is behind things. But I've always thought of, or I always grew up thinking of evangelism as doing my best to intellectually convince people of a few key points of faith. 
of convincing people that they're sinners, that they need a savior, and that Jesus was that savior, that he literally rose or that he died and rose for their sins. And if we can convince people intellectually of that, then they'll go to heaven. And that's our job right there. And so like that to me was just like, man, that doesn't sound like very much fun at all. Like <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like a good time. And I'm totally not having a good time right now. But the, uh, but the difference is, and especially the way that, especially the way that you you share the gospel, Siraj, and and all three of you guys as well, is that man, what we're not doing is convincing people of these theological points. What we're doing is we're actually giving them an experience of the love of God. Is that our role is not to convince them of of point A, B, and C, or that we don't even have to, because they'll actually come to believe those things when they experience that there really is a God who really does. Love love them and when we feel the lord's heart for them then we we just have to we have to share that um and it's a totally different approach and it's so much more freeing and it's so much more fruitful and i think that that's why it makes just sharing uh sharing with people in uh in everyday life i think that makes it so much more normal and easier than just inviting people to church uh for them to experience the lord and, and inviting people to, to church to experience the lord is good but man doing it in your workplace is uh 10 out of 10. Yeah. And for, for, for people listening to this, like, um, we, we're crazy. Um, like we believe some, some radical things. Like we actually believe that we can, yeah. that we can do what Jesus did. <laughs> we believe that we can, not that we're doing it, but the Holy spirit, in us and upon us heals the sick raises the dead cleans the lepers animal sacrifices are for today they're Anna. for today all right we're three out of- wake up church <laughs> wake up we're three out of three in worship jesus more undignified than this <laughs> we're three out of three guys i th- i was we were like five minutes away from not putting in animal sacrifices to this episode. We don't do that. Just to clarify. <laughs> Had to. Even it's a core belief of 420. Yeah. Disclaimer, it's not. <laughs> but for people listening, like wondering, like, man, how do I how do I get there? First off, you're you don't have to do anything. You're already there. The blood of Jesus is enough. Um, you, you can step into this kind of lifestyle. It's it's just letting Jesus love you. And I would encourage you that that skepticism isn't a gift from the Lord. Like it's okay to ask questions, um, but there's a lot of wisdom from man out there. There's a lot of wisdom from man out there, but God uses foolish things to confound the wise all the time. And, and God uses people that are completely unqualified um, to do miraculous things all the time. And it's okay to ask questions, but this is a, this is a lifestyle of being a fool for God and being in love with him. And we get things wrong a lot. Uh, we fail, but like, if you're pursuing the more of God, as we like to say, like if you're pursuing Jesus, if you ask the father for bread, he's not going to give you a stone or or is it a fish, whatever. (laughs) Basically, if you ask him for Jesus, he's not going to, he's not going to, He's not going to deceive you. And I think we're so afraid of being deceived that we've shut off the possibility of what does love really look like? Um, a lot of wisdom from man is actually rooted in fear. And so it's fear of getting it wrong, fear of looking like an idiot, fear of making God look bad. You know, let God be God. He's He's big enough to deal with our, our failures and flaws. But if we're driven by love, there's no way you can fail. If you're driven by love and really pursuing Jesus, there's no way you can fail. And so, um, Clay, Matt, Siraj, you guys have any closing thoughts or encouragements for people that could be listening to this and might be overwhelmed or might take it as an invitation to actually step into this stuff? To actually, Jeff, your your point right there, and and I'm 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 going to try to say this fast. Conrad's getting fussy, and I don't <laughs> want him to start. I don't want to start prophesying in the middle of this, but, um, or I do, that would be all, um, you know, it's, it's, it's to actually what Jeff just said is a lot of reasons, um, why people either don't step out or have hesitancy to let the Lord love them is this thought right here. Oh, what if that isn't God? What if, what if that's just, what if that's just not him? What if I'm wrong? 
And it really is the, the fear of missing it, the fear of getting it wrong. Or like how many of you have set up your heart for expectation to be loved in the worldly sense, and then you were let down. Yeah. And so oftentimes we, we project the shortcomings and failures of other people onto the Lord. And honestly, and, and um, oh my gosh, what's it? What, what uh, Randy Clark said this, that Peter, there was more glory in Peter getting wet than the other disciples staying dry in the boat. There was more, more glory in Peter's foolishness of falling in the water than the safety of the disciples staying dry in the boat mm. because Peter, he took a chance on love. And ultimately when he was sinking, he uttered the shortest prayer in biblical history that we know, Lord, save me three words. And it got an immediate response, <laughs> immediate response. Immediately he was, he was saved. So ultimately, if you're listening to this, we want to challenge you, take a risk, step outside yourself. Oftentimes letting the Lord love you can be a risky thing, but when you've tasted of it and you receive that, you'll know that this is literally why you were created. And this is literally why you're here. Yeah. Um, what I would add to that is, uh, you know, let go of your shame, let go of your guilt. Um, that stuff only creates an illusion that there's distance between you and Jesus, you and the father, you know, that any, any idea or feeling or sense of separation or division between you and God is completely an illusion. It's a lie. It doesn't exist. You are one with him. You know, if you have repented of your sin, you've invited Jesus into your heart and you are being plagued with guilt and shame take it to the father and watch him say, I have no idea what you were talking about. You know, he really does forget. And so there is no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation for those in Christ. You are completely washed, completely made new. Um, so don't let anything like that stop you from becoming real still in his presence and really sensing his love and delight over you. Uh, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that can separate you. Nothing that will ever separate you. From the love of Jesus, nothing, nothing, and um, this is your invitation to dive in. This is your invitation. This is the invitation of the Lord to jump in and and receive. What is He asking of you? Would you just receive? Would you let me love you? Yes. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you, guys. Love you all. And that is it for this episode. Stay tuned. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, tell your friends. Have them subscribe. We love what the Lord's doing uh, right now. If you want to learn more, visit 420ministries.net. Um, and you can learn more about what we're doing, our gatherings, our resources that we recommend and that we're producing. So stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of fun with the Lord. Uh, thanks for being a part of what we're doing. Thank you.